You're listening to the Routine Project Podcast, where I, your host, Justin Crawford, am getting into the minds of today's leading entrepreneurs, thought leaders, celebrities, and so many more with one mission in mind, understanding their routines so we can get into building the ones that make the most sense for us. This is the one podcast that's hyper-focused on routines and routines only. What's cool is I feel like we're learning with the guests of the show because sometimes they come on here and they don't even know that they have these routines. I'm excited you're here to learn something new, so thank you for clicking play wherever you're tuning in. Now here's today's episode. Hey friends, it's Justin here, and right now I have Diego Perez, also known as Young Pueblo, if you've seen him on Instagram. Uh, You probably have because he has over 3 million people on there. Diego's a meditator and number one best-selling author with the New York Times, and he's widely known on social media, as I'd mentioned, as Young Pueblo because he has an audience of over 3 million people, which is such a big number. Uh, He's also sold over 1 million books worldwide that have been translated into 25 languages. Uh, And if that wasn't enough, he's also just someone who's on this journey of self-healing, Uh, and encouraging folks to do so, creating healthy relationships as well, um, in addition to all the wisdom that comes with truly knowing ourselves. He's on to his fourth book now, which is called The Way Forward. Uh, It'll be out on October 10th, and pre-orders are available now. So everything that you see in the descriptors, links below uh, as you're listening, and all the links to Diego's amazing social media. For so long, I thought his name was actually Young Pueblo, and then I had to be corrected three times, one by his friend. Uh, So I'm very excited to have you on the podcast, and I know that you're used to sharing wisdom and powerful words with audiences around the world. Uh, So I thought we'd bring you on this podcast called The Routine Project to dive a little deeper into your Mm. routine, tips and tricks, uh, especially in building something so special. And of course, your new book, The Way Forward. So thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Yeah, thank you, Justin. I'm really happy to be here and excited to get deep into it. I think that a lot of times, have you ever been asked what your routine was like? And, you know, maybe we could mm-hmm. even start with your daily routine and some of the, you know, tips and tricks that have kind of helped you create something. Uh, I mean, it's really your brand, but ultimately being a number one New York Times bestselling author is a pretty big deal. So I know it takes a lot to do so. Mm. Yeah, I think um, the the key to everything is really um, meditating. Um, so I've been meditating daily for, I think, about eight years now. And, um, and I meditate one hour in the morning and one hour in the evening. So that's like the two pillars of my day, no matter what's happening, no matter where I am in the world, how busy I am, I meditate one hour in the morning, one hour in the evening. And, um, and I think, you know, truly through that, I was able to unlock my creativity. Like I never thought of, thought of myself as a creative person before then. Mm. So, um, you know, and that that became the base. And then over time, I've learned like the importance of like, you know, what actually works well for my body, like what I'm eating, that's helping create mental clarity, mm. um, exercise and including that four to five times, a, you know, during a week and um, sort of building a system from there. But it really, you know, I wake up, meditate, um, eat, start working and um, and then kind of go from there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you let the you let that term say la vie approach your day, I'm sure, because there's so many things I'm sure you're doing throughout the days. Okay, so that's two hours of meditation. Now I know where we're taking this podcast episode, routines and meditating. That's actually interesting. Have you always considered, when did you consider yourself a meditator? And and when that became such yeah. a integral part, especially in your life? Yeah, that, so I started meditating um, July of 2012. I did my first silent 10-day course in the Goenka wow. tradition. And um, 
I still didn't consider myself a meditator then because I wasn't doing it daily. I would like go to the, so I, I did it for a while where I would go to these silent 10 day courses. I gained so much from them, mm-hmm. but um, I really started, you know, my part of my identity started becoming, you know, like, oh, what am I first? I'm a meditator. And that mm-hmm. was in 2015 when I started meditating daily. Mm. Yeah. Normally people are like, I'm an influencer. I'm a CEO, you know, you're a meditator. <laughs> when I first read that, I thought I'd bring it up to be so important because it's something that you identify yourself with, right? <clears throat> At this point, eight yeah, years totally. later. Yeah, totally. And it's and it's still like the primary facet of my identity. Like, I feel like being a writer comes second. Mm. I've also, um, you know, co-founded a, a venture capital company that um, invests in uh, platforms that are creating their products in a compassionate manner. And mm. like, so I'm also a general partner. Um, yep. But that all that stuff comes second to being a meditator. Yeah, you said the word creativity came from medi- med- like meditating, you know, and I, or meditation in and of itself. Did you find that to be almost a wake up call for you? I think a lot of folks, I used to think every human was creative in some shape or form, but as folks aren't able to tap into meditation just yet, and if you're listening and you haven't practiced it, or, you know, Diego can inspire you today to take some tips from him, you know, was it that particular moment when you realized, hey, I am creative, I want to go down this lane, and then it led to all the VC and the books and the writing? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think before I started meditating, um, my mind was just clogged up. Um, You know, I felt like... I was uh, sort of going through the moves of life, but I was not working at my highest capacity. And I found that, you know, it's one thing that a lot of people kind of, you know, we're still understanding, but basically Mm. every time that you react, every time that you're feeling a really strong emotion and you're sort of rolling in it in your mind, that gets accumulated. It makes an imprint Mm. in the subconscious and the mind just gets thicker and thicker and thicker. So when you, you know, do one of these like sort of deep meditations that are specifically for deconditioning, right? You're deconditioning, removing those thick layers of the mind. Um, the mind gets lighter, it gets happier, it gets freer. Mm. But also a byproduct of that is that your creativity and your capacity, right? Like it grows tremendously and um, you're able to do more. And I look back to, you know, how I was eight years ago and I was literally able to do like one, two things a day. And now mm. I can do a lot more during the day with a lot less stress. So mm-hmm. even though I, you know, meditate for two hours a day, it sounds like a lot of time. Sure. But without that, my capacity would actually decrease and decrease over time. I could only imagine folks who are listening thinking it's overwhelming to go spend like one hour in the morning, one hour in the evening, yeah. or even in the afternoon to just meditate. Mm-hmm. Can you give us a better idea of like how you do so? Are you, you know, is there a specific tune you're listening to? Do you have a specific meditation room? I'm sure, you know, what does that environment look like? And how does the practice look like for you? If you can share a little bit of that with us? Yeah, sure. So the, um, it's a it's a Vipassana practice um, that comes out of uh, Burma, and it's taught, taught by SN Goenka. And it's a practice where you're basically um, observing the body and feeling the impermanence that's happening in the body. And it's a practice that, um, you know, will literally just help whatever is inside you come up to the surface and then calmly, you know, burn away. So like, you know, if you mm. have had all these like, you know, moments of sadness, moments of anxiety, sure. you know, things that you felt heavy things in the past, it creates a sort of a, a clear, calm pathway for these things to come up and burn away. And mm. I think it's, um, you know, it's it's nice because my, the way my wife and I have sort of set up our lives, she's a really serious meditator too. And, um, we, you know, we'll meditate together in the morning. We'll meditate together in the evening. Uh, we don't have, 
uh, in our house, we have, you know, a small little meditation room that we go to and there's no, you know, we don't, we don't meditate with like sound or anything like that. It's just us, you know, you taking the mind and turning it inward and feeling what's there. Mm. Mm -hmm. Do you have different revelations every time you meditate? Or is there something new that you you come up with? Because you say like as as you go inward to your mind, especially I would imagine for you eight years later, I'm sure it's not as cluttered, right? Or as you know bloated and stressed like everybody else's. I mean that was definitely me. So are you finding different things happening each time, and then you almost take that into the day, right? That feeling and that that energy, you know, and yeah. that mind. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. Yeah, I keep I keep going back because there's a lot to learn. It's almost like you're like opening a universal encyclopedia and there's so much in there. And mm. some of the most predominant truths that are really evident once you start observing the body is that everything is always changing, right? Mm-hmm. At every single level of life, like atomic, yeah. molecular, physical, mental, you know, um, like galactic, like every everything, everything everywhere, the most minute to the largest, everything's always changing. And mm. I think probably the biggest thing that I'm understanding is that when I struggle during the day, it's because of my resistance to change, like because I have a poor relationship with change. So I think that's like, probably one of the biggest life lessons that I'm going to walk away from, like what I'm learning throughout my entire life is just Mm. to embrace permanence. Don't fight it. You know, even if it's things are changing in a particular way that I don't like, then I'm only going to cause myself stress. I might as well just accept what's happening and then figure out how to act skillfully instead of just um, creating daydreams of anxiety. Mm. Define daydreams of anxiety for us. Oh, when you take any sort of, you know, you see something potentially going in the wrong way and then you just start rolling in it and you're like, oh, but if that happens and this could happen and then that's going to happen. And then, you know, you just start creating this narrative in your mind that might be based on some small type of information, but you're just blowing it out of proportion. Wow. I would say that a lot of us struggle with that too, especially as we Same, think about yeah. the day-to-day. Yeah. Wow. And so this idea of deconditioning the mind as it relates to a lot of us, I mean, I would imagine anybody listening has a job that you're, you know, you know yep. for, for a while, this was a very entrepreneur business focused show. And mm-hmm. I think that's a very important idea to talk about is deconditioning the mind, almost like deconditioning your hair. I don't have any. Diego has great hair, so I'm sure you decondition your hair. But that practice, can you give us any idea on how that could be very helpful for one's business life? Oh, totally. I think um, you have to think of it too in terms of patterns where like we have this constant pattern of reaction where we're like jumping to conclusions, right? We'll take in a little bit of information. We make a very fast valuation of that information and we react to it. Um, so when you think about what you're doing when you're meditating is you're sitting down and you're observing. Mm-hmm. So you're literally training your mind on the habit of simply taking in information without making judgments, taking in information, feeling it, and not immediately creating some big assessment. So mm-hmm. when you think when you take that to your work life, you're able to sort of take in information that's coming in and just create a type of uh, solution that's necessary, that's a lot calmer, that's a lot more um, beneficial to you, to other people. And that's not just um, you kind of like blindly reacting to what's happening. So Mm. I've seen that happen um, so much like in my family life, especially like when, you know, when there's like a moment of crisis or someone's sick or someone needs your help, it's like, I feel the anxiety, right? I feel the anxiety arise Mm. in my body 
but my mind will immediately turn to like, okay, like how can I help in this situation? Right. That's like right. What, what needs to be done as opposed to just like falling to the anxiety and being governed by it and, and not really being much, much help. And they always say like nothing changes when nothing happens, you know? And right. I think a lot of folks, we get stuck and it's almost like paralysis. It's, a, it's mm-hmm. a, it feels like paralysis for some reason, like a type of when you are stuck in your mind and yeah. it's a very, very hard thing to come out of the mind sometimes. But that's why I love that this is kind of your shtick. Um, yeah. You know? yeah and, and one thing to add too, and really in terms of work, I think we, especially from like the, you know, 1980s, 1990s and before, I think people related productivity with stress mm-hmm. and, um, and you know, use stress as a motivator. But I think what I have found in my own life and I see other people as well, who are really highly productive individuals is that they're now sort of elevating their productivity and it's directly connected with that, with their well-being. Oh, right? right. Right. They're eating better. They're meditating. They're seeing therapists They're doing whatever it is they need to create their best self. Yes. And, and I think creating from a place of compassion, creating from a place of mental clarity, mm. I think produces much more effective products than coming from a place of stress and anxiety and selfishness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to type all of that out. Maybe that's exactly what needs to be the first line of the descriptor below. That was very, very powerful because a lot of times you think about negative traits and they used to say there's like good and bad stress, right? Or maybe there is some mm-hmm. good or bad anxiety, I would imagine. And now I'm always thinking when I meet people and you probably do the same thing, you can almost, you can see it. I mean, shit, you can probably smell it sometimes how anxious stressed people are and how that almost makes you feel like you're not able to connect or you can't really find any form of bond with another human, right? Just to pivot for a moment. How have you found your lifestyle, right? A little bit away from meditation just on you and how you're living your life as someone with a very clear, conscious, uh, charismatic mind and and life, right? The way that you are. How have you found that in your day-to-day interactions with other people? I think it's interesting because like I really believe that um, you know, like like a, a particular vibe will attract a similar vibe. Mm-hmm. And um and I see that where like, you know, if I'm um at a conference or meeting different people, I end up naturally gravitating to those that are also calm or also yes. meditators or are, you know, working in uh, um we can be working in any field, but that they have that sense of like like I love when you know, I sometimes go to this, this, this conference called wisdom 2.0 that's in San Francisco. It's a, it's one of my favorite ones. And, um, I'll meet people who are doing like huge, you know, important things. And like, you can feel like they're about to go on stage and they can, you know, you can feel a little bit of the anxiety that's coming from them. But at the same time, a lot of them will be meditators as well, even though they work in these like huge tech companies, mm. and you, can feel them, you know, they, they, their anxiety is there, but there's also some level of peace. Yes. And they're like with you, they can feel the anxiety, but it's not governing them. And I think that's the coolest trait because like, like, man, I've been meditating for it's, uh, it's 11 years now since I started going to these courses and like, I still feel anxiety. I still feel sadness. Sure. Like, I still feel the ups and downs of life. I don't necessarily feel that same level of intensity of anxiety right. or sadness that I used to feel before. But um, but I think being able to be with your emotions without letting them take over is like the coolest, coolest trait. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's many ways. I mean, meditation, I'm sure, has a lot to do with that. But that's very cool to hear out loud because I know a lot of folks, 
And as I said, maybe you do see it on some people, but they don't wear it on their sleeves a lot of the times. You know, people are very silent with their stress and anxieties most of the time. Uh, and I would imagine that like you, yeah, that is a very specific energy, I think, when you're able to like stay super calm. I love the word compassionate that you've mentioned mm-hmm. um, and all of it. So I read Lighter, which was your other book, one of well, now you. four. I loved it. I still have it. To be honest with you, when I say read, I meant like majority of, I still have some parts to read, mm-hmm. you know. The way forward, watch me jump to number four and not even finish lighter. No, I'm kidding. The way <laughs> forward, can you tell us about it? I love the title. All of your titles and a lot of what you're posting on social all the time, it is wisdom. You know, like less is more is kind of what I've wanted to live by for so long. And as I read your mm-hmm. books, it kind of seems like this simple, uh, I mean, yeah, this simple way of living is kind of how you run it. But I wonder if anything was, uh, if that's any what related to the way forward. But what, what tell us about the book. Yeah, The Way Forward. So The Way Forward is actually the end of a trilogy that started with Inward and continued with uh, Clarity and Connection. And, um, you know, those two books were short poetry and prose books mm-hmm. where I was really trying to sort of bring minimalism into my writing. And I wanted to keep that. it trim. I wanted to keep it sort of, you know, easily digestible because I feel like um we're living in this you know this such a fast moving like attention grabbing society now that i was like well i want to connect with people but um let me try to connect on a on a on a level where it's not overwhelming where it's mm. like i just want to give you something to reflect on um you know the same things that i'm reflecting on because i mean all i'm doing with my writing is i'm just openly reflecting mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and hopefully that helps you know people build self awareness along the way whether they agree with what i'm saying or not and um, and so the way forward, it's really about um, the way that the world is just constantly changing, right? It's just co- like you're changing, the world's changing, but what do you lean on when everything is in flux? And I mm-hmm. think the two main things are your intuition and your values. Mm-hmm. Um, I think mm-hmm. even though your values can morph over time, there's still something sturdy about them that can help you navigate your own personal growth, help you navigate your relationships and help you sort of... Um, you know, just keep on healing the past that we carry so that we can have better presence in futures. Mm-hmm. Without being too anxious about it. There's something, exactly. that, yeah, even listening to Diego, you guys are probably like sitting in a super calm. This is why I was like, if I don't get Diego on this podcast, you better come on the other one I have because mm-hmm. you're like with the way that you're talking and your experience and not just meditation, but having, I'm going to go back to this term again, like this deconditioning of the mind, a clear mind is a happy mind. Would you agree? Or a fulfilled mind? Yeah, totally. And I really think like the best solutions that we can come up with for problems come from a clear mind and a calm mind. Mm. Any tips on how to create an environment where you can do that? I'm sure you're, you and your wife are in a very quiet Mm -hmm. place up, you know, in the Northern part of the U S now, but I mean, I just like to speak to environments for a moment, what type of steps can folks be taking to get in the right environment to have a clear head, take the right action steps, and then go towards a more positive stress, not stress free, but you know, less stress and less anxious life. I think I think a lot of that is, um, is internal too, right? Because like, you can be a peaceful person walking the chaotic streets of New York City. That's right. Um, But you like, because you know that I mean, New York is like, I, I lived in New York City for seven years. And it's just like, yeah one of the best places but also like hectic it's like really full of energy mm-hmm. um i think one of the key things is like whether you're a meditator or not you you should figure out what's good for you 
right? Yeah. So like, if you're the type of person that does really well when you like get up in the morning and you go for a walk, right? Like stick to your routine, like build your system that that will create the optimal you. And that mm-hmm. will revolve around like you developing some understanding around um, your own self-love. So like, you know, what kind of habits should you be building? What do you need to accept about yourself? Are you engaging with your emotional history? So a lot of that sort of internal work that you can do without, you know, I mean, you can do it with a therapist, but you can also observe yourself as yourself. Mm-hmm. And um, I think having that that system down and knowing what's good for you and, and acting on that, um, that will make it even easier for you to be like, okay, you know, what's the right job for me? Who are the right friends to be around? Who are good people mm-hmm. to surround myself with? And, um, and then you can just keep sort of adding on to that. Cause I mm-hmm. think, um, yeah, whether you're meditating or not, there's a lot of good that you can do for yourself. And, um, but you have to do some self-examination to figure out, you know, what's the optimal system for you. Mm, there's like self-examination, self-healing and self-improvement. Right. And then the yeah. nonstop is the self-improvement part to your point about your book, uh, the way forward to like create a positive experience in your future life that you almost have to go so much inward. Um, do you think people totally. are avoiding that? I wanted to ask this before I ask you more about your systems and routines before we go. Like, do you think that right now we're living in a, you mentioned it earlier, it's a very attention sucking society that like almost everyone I'm sure has some shape or form of attention deficit. And do you think with that came this avoidant behavior style for the majority of folks, even the ones listening right now, like we're all kind of avoiding certain problems that we've created for ourselves or certain mistakes or mishaps that keep happening in our lives and not necessarily facing them, you know, for head on. Yeah. I I think, I mean, there's a bunch of factors that go into it. I think one, there's the natural factor that the mind can only focus on so many things at once. Right. So like it needs to, it wants to accomplish what's immediate. Right. And where like, if you're dealing with your sort of like emotional things, sometimes that becomes like a secondary thing where like you have to eat before you can like, you know, think about what happened in your childhood. That's right. Um, That's right. So I feel like, I think there's, um, we can't like, we shouldn't punish ourselves for not like fully knowing everything about ourselves and right. fully every single emotion. It's like, sometimes there are these big things and we're going to get to them and we're going to, we will process them, but, um, but we need the right space, the right moment, uh, to be able to really go deeply in them. And, and I think the other side of that is that we are fighting technology. Like, mm. it, like technology has become so powerful, so predominant and it's, um, like everything is trying to just suck in our attention like a vacuum. So mm-hmm. it's easier to just like scroll in, you know, light levels of pleasure when you're like going through TikTok, going through Instagram, you get these Any really of it. Light, light levels of pleasure. Whereas if you were trying to understand, you know, how the relationship with your mother is affecting your current relationships in your in your life right now, that's not that pleasurable. Right? But not so at like, all. It's hard work, yeah, right? Exactly. It's hard work. So so we have to understand the way where we have these two addictions that are constantly affecting us, addiction to perfection and the addiction to pleasure. And, um, and to be able to really delve into your self-improvement, you have to acknowledge those two and also let them go so you mm. can make space for that uncomfortable work that there's still an incentive there to do it because if you do do it, then the long-term you is going to be much more happier, much more productive, much more self-aware, and everything that you do will be more fruitful. Um, so yeah, it's it's tricky. It's tricky, but it's worth the journey, isn't it? 
It's you know, totally worth it. Yeah. Anybody listening, I believe that there's always going to be so much excitement to that, but you have to make it exciting and you almost have to have this like uh pure optimistic lens on this idea of like developing yourself when you really yeah. don't know where that's gonna go. Uh, but thanks to you and thanks to a lot of folks in the, in your area of the business, it becomes a lot easier as you have things to lean on, right? Even the things you're posting on your quotes, like I can't even think of those words. You know what I mean? I can never <laughs> put them together the way that you do. And it's just so great that you, you, you're able to share that and make it a part of like your day to day, uh, in the, you know, out of the 16 hours, now it's 14. Cause you got the two where you meditate. So before we go. <laughs> You mentioned creating a system, and I think it's very important for our listeners right now to understand a little bit more about how your daily operating system is. And yeah. although that will change in the future to come in the way forward, that, you know, how did you get it to almost this nice, I would I would assume by knowing you that this, at this point, a, a peaceful system that you have in place that can allow you to operate, um, you know, your personal and professional life? Yeah, it took a man, it, it took a long time to get it down. And I feel like we just got it down. Mm. Um, the the tricky part was there was a time where I was writing and meditating and my email was empty. Nobody was hitting me up. You know, like I wasn't I only had like, you know, 80,000 followers. There was I was just, you know, still building my voice as a writer. So it was easy to just focus on the creative aspect of things. But then mm. when I released my first book, released my second book, you know, my email was full, just like more and more things were coming my way, more different opportunities that I was happy mm. to be receiving because, you know, it was giving me different sort of um, avenues to to speak about these topics that I think are important. Mm. Um, but then I found myself, I was like, dude, I'm only answering emails. This, I'm, I'm not even writing stuff anymore because I'm so sure. busy. So I mm. think building... Um, the system between my wife and I, where she's now, now she's officially my manager and she has been able to, you know, do all like basically handle the relationships mm. where in terms of like for all the young Pueblo stuff, you know, she's the one interfacing with like all of the publishers and the talent agency and mm. you know the, the people who help me with speaking opportunities. And, you know, she's just taking all of that. So like all I have to do is the writing. Sure. And, so now my my attention, I think, in, in the day is like minimal amounts of email and um, focusing creatively on writing for a few hours after I meditate in the morning. And then I'll spend a lot of the afternoon um, working on my venture capital company and um, and then also uh, a new company that I'm developing that will come out next year um, that is more based around relationships. And Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. So, so it's been fun, but I think, so the key lesson from there is like, you know, you have to delegate. If you don't delegate, if you don't like, you know, find people to work with you, even if it's a small team of two or three people, like you don't need a big team to, to get a lot done. Like, um, you know, I had a really nice conversation with James Clear, like the, you know, the king of systems, right. Sure. And, um, his team is tiny. It's him and one other person. Um, and, and maybe it's and better that way in some cases, right. I think so. And and it does mean that you work, you know, you, there's a lot to do, but we've also have learned to just work at our pace. That's like right. That's where it's like, you know, I want to work to a point where it's not exhausting. And I feel like if I had a team of 20 people, like that would be exhausting. Sure. Uh, so it's really good to yeah. note. Yeah. Diego, I'm so excited. Uh, and I'm very happy you came on this podcast. Your time is so valuable and we're excited for this new book. 
Uh, we're excited to keep following you. As I'd mentioned, folks, the descriptors and links below is everything that you're going to need to find out about him, his website, his social media, anything else that he has coming out, all of the books, including the one that's order uh, pre-order available right now, uh, which is the way forward. So Diego Perez, AKA Young Pueblo, uh, I'm so happy that you did this with us. And there's so much wisdom. You know, I could actually, I would hold you for the whole hour and a half or two, but uh, I'll be excited to mention that maybe we'll invite you to a live event um, for something in the new year, as opposed to sitting on a podcast, looking at a Zoom screen. So um, very, very, very happy we did this, my friend. And thank you so much. Thank you so much. This was like such a joyful conversation. And yeah, this is this is a good start, but we definitely have to like talk a lot more because we can go a lot deeper. Hey, it's Justin again, and that concludes today's episode. I hope you learned something new or exciting about routines or at least took something away from the guest I had on the show. Now I've got plenty more episodes coming up on this podcast, so be sure to click that follow button wherever you're listening. Oh, and you know how it goes. The show only gets better when I hear from you. So drop a rating and review and let me know what you loved and maybe what we can do better on this podcast to keep you coming back each week. Now until I get that next episode to you, start building the routines that matter most to you and inspire others to do the same. Thank you.